0: Rennie backed into the incident room with a tray of coffees and a plate of chocolate biscuits. The mug he put down in front of Logan came with a jammy dodger and a couple of paracetamol. Looked like you could use them, he explained, before settling down at his desk to finish reading Jamie McKinnon's post-mortem report. Poor sod, thought Logan, knocking back the painkillers. Rennie complained about always having to make the coffees, but he still went the whole hog with proper mugs and biscuits every time. He just didn't seem to understand that as long as he kept doing that, D.I. Steele was going to keep on using him as a t-boy. If Rennie didn't want... Logan had a brief moment of epiphany and groaned. Just like if he kept on solving Steele's cases for her, it was always going to be in her best interests to keep him around. She'd never give him enough of the credit to let him escape her screw-up squad. Bastard. Inch had pretty much told him the best chance he had of getting out of the fuck-up factory was to work on the arson investigation. But would he listen? No. He had to go busting his hump so D.I. Steele could take all the glory. Everything okay, sir? Logan looked up to see the admin officer, frowning at him. No, it bloody isn't. I'm going out. If anyone wants me, you don't know where I am. The admin officer's frown grew confused. But I don't know where you're, sir. But Logan was gone. He signed for a patrol car and beheld the same rubbish-filled mobile tip they'd taken yesterday. The whole vehicle stank of stale fast food and cigarette smoke. A patrol car pulled up as Logan was stuffing chip papers into the wire bin by the door with bad grace. Someone familiar unfolded himself from the back seat. A drug squad detective known for his really big hands and love of body cavity searches. He looked up, saw Logan, nodded a greeting, then turned to help an old lady out of the car. Graham Kennedy's grandmother, looking shaken. Poor old cow probably had her flat broken into and vandalized again. "'You okay, Mrs. Kennedy?' asked Logan. She wouldn't look at him, but Detective Big Hands grinned. Not today she isn't. Sweet little old ladies shouldn't run drugs rings from their homes using wee kiddies as mules. Should they, Mrs. Kennedy? No response. She had a pair of little boys pushing their wee sister about in a stroller packed with drugs, all nice and innocent looking. Attic was full of hydroponic equipment and a big fuck-off chemistry set. "'Growing cannabis and making PCP. "'One woman drug cartel. "'Weren't you?' "'No comment, eh?' "'Well, we'll see if you're more talkative "'after a full body cavity search.' "'He led her in through the back door, "'followed by the WPC who'd been driving, "'carrying a large plastic evidence bag "'with a teddy bear in it, "'one of the ears chewed almost bald, "'leaving Logan alone on the rear podium. "'Fuck!' Bloody thing had been staring him in the face the whole bloody time. He'd even found a huge bag of the stuff in her fridge, for God's sake. Fuck! He hurled pizza boxes in the bin and stomped back to the car. All those kiddies hanging around, watching her house, waiting for the police to sod off so they could go about their Telly Tubby drug-running business. The bloody chemistry teacher thing. The locked attic. The grandson drug dealer. It was all there, and he didn't put it together. Fuck! He pulled out his mobile phone, telling Rennie to get down here pronto. They were going out. Right, said Logan at Craig Inches, when the tired-looking woman behind the desk went off to get a list of all the prisoners supposed to be out in the exercise yard when Jamie McKinnon overdosed. This is how it's going to work. You lead the interview. I observe. If I want to ask a question, I'll step in. But other than that, you're the man, okay? Rennie squared his shoulders and nodded. This was his chance to shine. Four interviews later, and they were no nearer getting anyone for McKinnon's death. No one had seen anything. Surprise, surprise. Frustrated, Logan checked the list they'd got from the guard again. Twenty-seven people in the exercise yard, or someone pinned Jamie McKinnon down, someone else covered his mouth so he couldn't scream, and a third rammed a syringe into his arm. How could no one have seen anything? Ah, uh, sir, any chance we can take a break? I'm bursting. Good idea. P and tea break. Rennie nodded, resignation on his face. Yes, sir. Two teas coming up, milk, no sugar. And Logan remembered his own moment of epiphany. No, you know what? This time I'll make the tea. The staff rest area was a small room, jaundiced by decades of cigarette smoke. The thank you for not smoking sign on the wall, modified by someone with a black marker pen, so the cigarette in the red circle now looked like a penis, dripping sperm from the end. The word smoking had been crossed out and wanking scrawled in its place. Classy. There was a loud sneeze. The rec room door opened. It was the social worker from last time, looking as if she was dying from a cold. So, she said as they walked back along the corridor. You here for anything special? Remember Jamie McKinnon? Christ, how could I forget? Got a sudden fatal accident inquiry to go to for that one. She scowled. If it's any consolation, we think someone killed him. We're interviewing everyone who was in the exercise yard at the time. That produced a laugh. Good luck. You'll need it. They'd reached the interview room. Anyway, she said, I've got a pile of reports to get back to. Every bastard in here has to be rechecked for suicidal tendencies since Jamie McKinnon do I get any sodding credit for doing the work of a whole sodding department of my own? Do I, hell. Tell me about it, he said. Bloody steel and her. Something occurred to him. What about Neil Ritchie? He owns Suicide Watch. Ritchie? Oh, the Shore Lane stalker. Too bloody right he is. The man's a wreck. One death in custody a week's more than enough. A grim smile pulled at Logan's face. D.I. Steele couldn't get a confession out of Ritchie, but then she couldn't interview a nose for bogeys. Now, if he got Ritchie to cough, they'd have to let him out of the screw-up squad. Any chance I could have a word? She shrugged. Don't see why not. Can't hurt after all. No, thought Logan. It couldn't hurt at all. Neil Ritchie looked like shit, hunched over, dark purple bags under his bloodshot eyes, hair wild and unkempt. The mug of tea Logan had made for D.C. Rennie sat in front of the trembling man, untouched. So, said Logan, leaning forward in his seat, purposely mirroring Ritchie's posture. How are you feeling, Neil? The man stared fixedly at the tea. They put me in a cell with a criminal. He stabbed someone. He told me he stabbed someone. I don't belong here. I I didn't do anything. What about Holly McEwan, Neil? They found her hair in your car, on the passenger seat. How did it get there, Neil? Did you give her a lift? No. I never did anything with those women. I promised Suzanne. Never again. Never. I told her. uh, The inspector. I told her it must have happened before I got the car. His eyes locked on Logan's, shining with tears. Someone else gave it a lift. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Your car's brand new Neil. The garage delivered it to you by 7 PM the night Holly went missing. There's a video of her being driven away in your car five and a half hours later. No no it's the car wasn't there till the morning. It was supposed to be there on Tuesday night. I had to take the bike to the shops. I was going to complain to the garage, but they left a note and a bottle of champagne. What happened to your old car, Neil? He asked, cutting across Richie's incessant whining. When you bought the Audi, what happened to your old car? I I I didn't have one, not for years. I've been on the bike. I only bought the bloody Audi because Suzanne kept going on about growing up. A sob. Oh, God. Why did I have to listen to her? Logan sat and stared at him. Oh, shite.